Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finding the Guardian of Your Soul. I am so happy to be here. I hope you're having a wonderful day. It's great to see you. Uh, I think finances are a huge topic in dating, in relationships. This is something that has come up many, many times in the groups of women that we coach. So I thought I'd talk about it today. The first thing I'm going to do is just talk a little bit about my own financial relationship with my husband, which I actually feel is uh, wonderful, something I'm extremely uh, proud of. And uh, I think that this is something that would be great to share with all of you. So um, Benjamin and I have uh, a really lovely dynamic financially. And this, you know, whatever the elements of what work uh, in terms of our financial relationship really echo out through our whole partnership. But this is uh, how they manifest when it comes to money. So we really are complete partners. And we designed for ourselves, my goal was not to have um, any barriers between Benjamin and me. I want to first say we don't have children and uh, we don't have to worry about who's going to inherit our money because neither one of us has kids. And so the only thing that we would leave our money to might be family members. So we don't have any of those complications that some other couples may have. We also, when we met, uh, we don't have concerns around one of us taking advantage of the other, um, not showing up responsibly in the relationship. And so we trust each other implicitly in every aspect of our relationship. And so when it comes to our finances, there wasn't any reason for us to want to keep that separate in any way. In fact, not only did I not want to keep my finances separate, which I had done completely in my first marriage, but I wanted Benjamin and me to be partners in every way. I didn't want any obstacles. So I really wanted to look at all of my beliefs, all of the things that I, you know, might uh, have that would keep us separate. And I wanted to take all of that away. So our relationship, what happened was we bought a house together right after the our first year of being together and got engaged. And when we moved into this new house, we literally took 90% of what we owned and put it on the front yard. We had a massive garage sale and we decided that everything we wanted, we just wanted to buy new things that were ours, not things from his past or my past. I think we kept a bed, a sofa and a living, you know, like a dining room table and chairs. That was it. But everything else went and, you know, we got a new mattress, of course, and it was really uh, um, a wonderful thing, you know, first of all, for me, 
I felt so good about letting go of all that stuff, the old memories that may have been attached to it, my former life and all, and being able to just buy things, you know, to decorate a house that was truly ours was incredible. Um, for, for a while, he had a separate bank account and I had a bank account of my own, mostly for my business. And he had a private account and an account for his business. And then at some point we became, we incorporated, we put both his practice and my practice into a single corporation. And that was when we got rid of my personal bank account. And then we just have now one account for all of our personal expenses and another account for our, uh, our businesses. And Benjamin takes care of most of our financial stuff. He pays all the bills, everything's set up, you know, on auto pay. He's extremely responsible that way. And I trust him and I love not having to think about that stuff and knowing he's doing a good job with it. So, um, and I don't feel the need to have a separate account. If I go to the spa, if I, you know, have any kind of treatments, if I buy clothing, um, he knows that even though I love beautiful things, I'm never frivolous and I'm always working hard and, you know, working at my business and in my practice and as is he. And so we just both contribute financially to this marriage. Being true partners in the very beginning, when, when we first moved in together, I actually sold an importing business I had and enrolled in coaching training. And so I was in transition in my career and Benjamin paid for almost everything. In fact, I didn't even know until much, 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 much later the lengths to which he went in order to make sure that every bill was paid and that we were fine during that period because I wasn't really earning an income. He did that for a long, long time and there was never a complaint. He never questioned my dedication to my career. He never tried to encourage me to earn more money. He actually encouraged me by being what we call a guardian of my soul and really reinforcing his belief in me, not by trying to tell me how to run my business or make more money, but by believing in my power to do those things, to figure them out on my own and creating a container for me to do that. And one of the main ways he did that was by taking care of the vast majority of our financial responsibilities during that time in the relationship. So he was working long and hard hours to be able to do that. And I was also building my practice. It wasn't until literally 14 years into our relationship, so 14 years into our relationship, I became a coach right away and I was really earning what most coaches do, which is not a lot of money. You know, you think about it, most coaches earn, you know, 
$70,000 a year, especially 20 years ago. So I was working and I was seeing a lot of clients and I was busy, but I was making about 70,000 a year. And we lived in Los Angeles. We bought a home and all. And so Benjamin was footing the rest of the bill. And at one point, I started to really look at our financial situation and the part I was playing in it. And out of love for my husband, out of love for Benjamin, I started to look at what I was earning. And I began to ask myself what I could do to create more wealth, to bring in more money. And I was 54 years old at the time. I met him when I was 41, so that was 14 years. And he had supported me lovingly through that entire process. And I loved him so much. And I knew that he worked hourly. He's a body worker. He makes uh, made a great living at that time. Uh, but I saw how hard he was working. And I knew that there was only so much he could raise his rates. And I had to make a real change if we were going to have more money. And I looked at myself and I said, Lisa, if anyone's going to really bring in more money, it's you. You have to look at this. And literally the next day, I saw this video ad on Facebook of a coach. And it blew me away because it sounded like that coach had been hearing my own, my inner dialogue about, you know, earning money as a coach and where I was wasting time and how I could start to earn more. And it was like, he was like really parroting back every single thought I had the day before. And he said, look, I can show you how to create, you know, a six or seven figure coaching business. And, you know, all you have to do is jump on a call and we'll talk to you about how it's done. So I booked a call, I think for that very same day. And after an hour long call, I signed up for this coaching program that changed my life. And I'm very proud to say that I think for the last three or four years, you know, I've done well over a thousand dollars in my coaching practice based on the help that, you know, the work of this man. And, uh, I have been able to now support my husband and me through things like the pandemic. You know, we he couldn't work from one moment to the next. He's had several very serious illnesses and operations. And, you know, the whole thing really flipped. We didn't expect that to happen. But, you know, I like to say the baton has gotten passed back and forth financially several times in our relationship. And we've never, ever, ever uh, for a moment, you know, said, oh, well, you know, you need to earn more money or I'm not going to foot the bill or when are you going to get back to work? You know, we are true partners in every sense of the word. And when the pandemic hit, Benjamin said, what am I going to do? I don't know how long I'm going to be out of my practice. 
And I said, well, it may not be what you want to do, but I said, maybe you'll come on my Q&A calls with the women in my coaching course and just, you know, I think they'd love to hear from you. I think it would really add something special. And so he did. He just blindly started coming on two Q&A calls a week. He uh, writes the, pro the dating profiles for the women who go through the course. He helps edit their photo shoots. So he gives the women a man's perspective on what photos to use. And it's not only been remarkable, like just magical to have my husband sitting next to me, you know, as my co-partner and co-creator in this business, but uh, we get to spend more time together. And when the pandemic was over and he started to rebuild his practice again, I said to him, look, go back and just do what you love. And he said, no, you know, I'm going to continue working with you. I'm going to continue coming on the calls because I see how valuable it is to the clients. So this is how we work together. This is how my husband and I earn an income, how we both show up for each other. And it's this beautiful dance that we do where two responsible adult human beings just co-create together, you know? And what's lovely is we can dance in the moment when life throws us all these unexpected moves, we can maneuver around them and with them because we're such incredible partners and we don't live according to other people's rules. You know, I, we're not sitting there blaming each other or scrutinizing each other or letting our fear overwhelm us. We're just doing whatever is necessary in that moment. You know, we look at the moment that's in front of us and we both show up. We both contribute as much as we can. Now let's get into some specifics. We do not have to have separate accounts and worry about certain uh, other people children or other relatives, mothers, fathers, none of that influences us. We're very, very, very fortunate. There's nobody who will get or inherit our money or who is waiting to inherit it. Nobody. And so it is completely ours to do what we want with. So we don't, we didn't need a prenup. We don't need to worry if one of us passes away before the other, our home will go to our partner. There's nothing in the way, right? And yes, we do have a will. We have relatives, my niece and nephew and my half sister. Though, you know, there are people in our lives who will get, you know, our inheritance, but you know, they're not our immediate children and family. And so for them, this will be an unexpected gift because, you know, it's nobody's in time. There's not anybody who's in line, so to speak, to receive this. And so we can do whatever the heck we want. We can spend every last penny of it <laughs> and not worry, right? And so that gives us tremendous freedom. It really does. We are very, very, very fortunate in that respect. 
And because we trust each other implicitly to make good decisions and to be conscious of the other person and conscientious, we uh, are, are, are thoughtful. You know, I would never go out and like buy a brand new Ferrari, you know, and drive home with it without talking to Benjamin. He'd probably say, okay, if you really want a Ferrari, you know, we'll figure out how to pay for it. But I would just wouldn't do that without him. So we make, you know, I make careful decisions out of love and out of, you know, wanting what's best for him and the relationship. And like I said earlier, I have um, good taste, but it's not over the top. You know, I'm not out buying Birkin bags and Louboutin shoes every day. I, I'm very careful. You know, I buy nice things, but I'm careful. So we're very, 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 very fortunate. Now, let's talk about some of what makes this work. First of all, we trust each other implicitly. We really trust each other. And this is the foundation of a truly, truly, truly healthy uh, dynamic in any aspect of your relationship. And this is not blind trust. I'm not seeing what I want to see and hearing what I want to hear. I spent a lot of time vetting men and going on dates to find a man whose values I respect and admire. And that took a while. And I truly respect and admire Benjamin's value system. I mean, he has so, so, so much integrity. And he shows it in everything he does. He's responsible. He's communicative. He's transparent. He's open. He's caring. He's generous. And I looked for these qualities in a partner. I looked for them. I did not have those qualities in my last partner. My husband was a pathological liar. He was completely financially irresponsible. He borrowed money from people and never paid it back. He was a liar and a cheater. And I lived with that for 13 years. And it was pretty agonizing. I was in a lot of fear because I didn't know what he would do. He never showed up. I had a lot of financial insecurity, not like some people who are living hand to mouth. But, you know, when your relationship, your, your relationship security and your love and that, you know, your partner is, you know, ideally your anchor in the world, the person you can turn to and trust. And there was so much instability in terms of our finances. And much of it was being created by him, not me. And the way I was creating it, of course, was allowing it to go on and staying with him and not walking away. And I did eventually. It was the thing that made me leave him. It was the thing that really made me leave because I started to see once I quit picking up, you know, the slack and paying all the bills and keeping us afloat, 
I started to see what was really going on. And there came a point where our rent hadn't been paid in six months. The phone bill hadn't been paid. I could have paid it. I could have, but I stopped because I wanted to see what he would do. And he never, he didn't do it. He didn't get his act together. And that's when I knew it wasn't going to happen. And this is a dangerous thing that we do. I didn't want to face the truth. And so that's why I kept you know, doing it for so long, even though it was painful, it was upsetting because he wasn't being a partner to me. And so I hated myself for allowing it to go on, for rationalizing it and justifying it and telling myself, oh, well, at least I have a partner and I'm not a woman who needs much, you know, and he loves me. He may have loved me, but he wasn't a good partner. He didn't take care of me. And I'm not talking about, you know, him, like me being a stay-at-home wife and whatever, and just taking and having him caretake me. No, but he didn't take care of me. And when you have something that you value, when you have someone or something precious, you care for it, right? You take care of a car or a dog or a child. You care for the things and the people you love. And he wasn't caring for me. And I was afraid to stop doing this because then I would, you know, paying for bills and keeping us afloat, even though it was soul crushing for me to keep doing it because, and I knew I was not valuing myself by doing it and that I would never get what I really wanted in life and in love. But I kept doing it because I was so afraid to be alone. I was really, really, really afraid. And, you know, there was this part of me that thought, well, what if this is as good as it gets? And I'd never dated much prior to meeting my ex-husband. I dated some in college and whatever, but not really. And when I met my ex-husband, you know, we had chemistry. We were in grad school together. It was exciting, you know, and he was a kind of an exciting guy, very avant-garde, very creative guy, funny. And so I fell into that trap because he did fill a need I had. But as time went on, uh, 13 years went by and the, you know, we didn't grow in that relationship. So finally, after six months of the rent not being paid, the phone bill not being paid, I left. I got the courage to finally leave. And when I left, I didn't look at him and try to figure him out. I didn't blame him. I don't know why he did the things he did. I do not know. I mean, I can make stuff up, but the truth is everybody has to figure himself or herself out. And the only way I was ever going to get what I wanted in this life was to really figure out why I picked this man and why I stayed with him for 13 years and how I was going to find 
a better partner. That's what I had to look at because I didn't want that. Even if that had ever really resolved, it wasn't ever what I truly wanted, at least not in the long run. I stayed out of fear, not, not out of love. I stayed out of the fear of being alone and I kept hoping it would get better. And I think a lot of us do that. So um, I finally got the courage to leave him. And when I did, and the more I took responsibility for myself, please know this was not an overnight process. It's not like I left my ex and I just figured it all out, but I was determined to figure it out. Um, I didn't want to be alone. I love having a partner. I love being a partner. Um, I don't like, you know, I, I mean, can I be alone? Do I enjoy my own company? Yes. Yeah, I do. And I love being with a partner more. And so I wanted to do this work and I started to think about, you know, who I needed to be, what I wanted to attract in a man. And I started to really dream the kind of relationship I wanted. I started to think about not limited thinking about, oh, well, this, you know, these things can happen or whatever. Look, I'm going to be honest. I am incredibly creative. It's one of the things I pride myself on. And uh, I'm a free thinker. I just love to think for myself. And because I'm so imaginative and I think out of the box, I really felt like I could do anything I put my mind to. I never thought it would be easy. Don't get, you know, I'm not afraid of some hard work. I'm not afraid of some challenges. I knew that that would be part of it, but I also knew I could figure this out and create something extraordinary. I never doubted that. And so I was talking to my operations manager just uh, right before this call, and we were talking about how uh, amazing online dating is, you know, that people want to, or maybe I, it wasn't my, I was talking to one of my sales, my salesperson, my enrollment coach, and we were talking about how amazing online dating is. You know, when I was younger, I didn't really date. I didn't feel comfortable with men. I didn't know what men wanted from me or boys wanted from me. I was so awkward around men and boys. It, it was crazy. I mean, I felt so uncomfortable and I didn't have a good relationship with my father or my brother growing up. And so men were anomalies to me. I mean, they may have been, might have been, you know, may, may have, may have been space aliens for all I knew. You know, I'd sit across from a guy and I, I couldn't even communicate. And so when I hit it off with my ex-husband, 
I was just happy to actually connect with a man <laughs> back then, you know, to, to know what it felt like to have all those emotions and all. I mean, yeah, I'd had crushes when I was a kid, but that, you know, the connection with my ex was different. So once I left him and I started dating again, online dating was really a blessing for me because I hated having to go out and when I was younger and flirt with guys and I would come home like from being out with girlfriends and it was one of the most wretched experiences uh, I ever had was going out with girlfriends for cocktails or to a party or whatever and try, you know, trying to flirt and pick up guys. That, I mean, for some women, that's fun. For me, it was agonizing, agonizing. I, I had no clue how to do it. And not only that, I would watch these other women and I felt worse. I mean, it just made me feel horrible about myself because I really wanted to connect with men. And I just kept thinking, oh my God, if that's what I have to do to connect with a man, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life because I'll either I'm going to have to settle and just to be with somebody, which I did in many ways with my ex-husband. And when I left him, I just thought I'd rather be alone than keep doing what we were doing. But I looked at myself and I said, Lisa, you've got to figure this out. You know, you don't have to connect with every man on the planet. You don't have to be a goddess, but you have an amazing heart. You're smart, you're caring, you're kind. You know, certainly you can attract a wonderful man. And that's what I set out to do. And I loved, again, online dating because I didn't have to go to parties. I didn't have to do this in real life. And when people say I would wish it would happen in real life, a lot of times I'm, I, I really feel like they're saying, you know, I don't know how to do this and I just want it to happen. And I don't want to have to figure out how to make it happen. I don't want to have to do any work. I just want to meet a guy and fall in love and live happily ever after. You know, even your girlfriends who do meet a guy and fall in love, at least 50% of them don't live happily ever after. At least 50%. So doing work in this part of our lives is not just important, I feel it's imperative. And what I got to do was really start to explore what I wanted in a partner, the kind of relationship, the kind of rapport and dynamic I was looking for. And then online dating gave me the ability to get out and find him. I don't care where you live. I don't care how many, you know, liars and cheaters and uh, scammers are online. I don't care. There are liars and cheaters and scammers out in the real world. There are people, men who will ask for your number and never call. It's an illusion that online dating is any different 
than meeting in real life. There are obstacles to both. And believe me, you have actually way more control over meeting guys online than you do in real life. So, you know, waiting for it to happen, you, you may meet one or two guys in a year. You go online, you can have one or two dates in a week if you're really good at this. And you don't have to be a beauty queen. And you don't have to be a millionaires or a sex kitten. You can get plenty of dates if you know what you're doing and your energy and your heart are open. You can attract a lot of men online and maybe not as many if you live, you know, outside of a bigger city. But if you, you know, all it takes is one. So. I started to think about the kind of man I really wanted, the qualities I was looking for. And while I was doing that work or that while I was exploring all of that, I was also uh, doing a lot of interpersonal work and especially working on myself spiritually. Really, really, really looking at uh, the spiritual side of life and all honing those spiritual principles, which I had never really stopped to do. Those spiritual principles are what play out in our romantic relationships. That's really the foundation of my relationship with Benjamin. It's not a script of the right words to say. It's not asking the right questions. It's not some sort of timeline that was artificially created. The real foundation of our rapport is all the spiritual principles, kindness, gratitude, forgiveness, uh, compassion, patience, personal taking personal responsibility. That is the foundation of a guardian of your soul relationship. It's founded on honing those spiritual principles. So in many ways, our client, you know, our clients will come to us and they'll want scripts and they'll want, you know, well, what do I say? Or how, you know, when do I ask these questions? Or how do I say this? Or, you know, when should I expect him to say, I love you? Or how do I get him to say, I love you? You know, all of these things, when you're really operating out of spiritual principles, they're just second nature. They're second nature. So, for example, I often found myself being anxious in relationships. And when I stopped and looked at where my anxiety was coming from, my anxiety was often coming from fear and because I was suppressing my emotions, there were things that I was feeling in the relationship, things I wanted clarity on so that I knew where we were going, so I knew how he felt about me. And I was may have been afraid to ask those things because I didn't know how to ask them, and I was afraid of the answers. But when I would look at coming from love and compassion for myself and this man, I would start to see things in a completely different light. 
So when I looked at seeing the situation, not from fear, but love and compassion, it suddenly became okay to ask those things. And I was would be asking those questions that were causing me so much anxiety, not with the fear of, oh my gosh, she's going to tell me something I don't want to hear, right? I have, If I didn't have an agenda, there was nothing he could say that would disappoint me because the goal was genuine curiosity, love, wanting to know, wanting to feel safe in the relationship, and wanting to also take care of myself because if I didn't know certain things or I felt unsure about what was going on in the relationship, I was putting myself in harm's way because I might develop feelings for a man who wasn't feeling the same way about me. And so I would be loving to myself to get clarity on those th- those issues. And if that's where I was coming from, those were very noble reasons to be bringing up these kinds of questions and very mature, very adult reasons. And I would be taking care of myself. I would look, be looking out for him as well because I also didn't want to waste my time in a relationship with a man who couldn't give me the things I wanted. And so I started to, you know, come into my relationships in this very different way. And because of that, I was able to navigate all of these very challenging, you know, when you're trying to date and find a partner and you're doing it at the level of your ego, you know, and you're trying to figure things out at the level of the mind, it's very hard to find this true partner. But when your intentions, when your when your motivations are more from spiritual principles, everything seems so clear. And I guess I'm sharing all of that because, as I said earlier in my talk, and I know I've rambled a little bit, I just decided to let myself do that today. Um, in terms of finances, it wasn't about asking a series of questions. It was about looking at who this, you know, this man's principles and really observing how, who he, he is, who he was, how he moved through the world, how he treated me, how he, you know, was he generous? Was he compassionate? Was he caring? Was he responsible? And when somebody has those qualities, they permeate that person's entire life. Was he conscious? Did he move consciously through life? Did he make conscious decisions? Was the life that he was living a conscious creation? Or was it something that he fell into and was not happy with? You know, and as I started looking at all of those things, I just knew that 
this was a man I could trust in every aspect of life. He was the man who, a man who had the qualities of being a true partner. Nobody wrote us a script for any of this. I really surrendered. I trusted myself. I took care of myself and I knew I could get out. I would leave at any, you know, a relationship at any time if I felt it wasn't safe for me or if I felt that someone wasn't, you know, all in with me. And I did. I actually proved to myself right before I met Benjamin, I met a man uh, who was quite handsome, maybe one of the most handsome men I'd ever dated. And he had a cool career. And he actually had even done some work with Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, some of you may know he's the author of The Four Agreements. He had actually, uh, not at the same time as me, but he had also been a part of uh, a community where we worked directly with Don Miguel about 35 years ago now. And so I felt a connection with him uh, over that. But he turned out to be what I now understand uh, is avoidant. He, I would absolutely say this man had avoidant personality disorder. And uh, he didn't just have some avoidant tendencies. I actually think uh, he would have been diagnosed with avoidant personality disorder. And uh, I didn't know that term at the time, but I had been doing so much work right before I met him and got into a relationship with him that I very quickly, within six weeks, saw that he started doing this sort of hot and cold push-pull thing. And uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and I saw it and I said, Lisa, if this is what six, you know, six weeks looks like, you don't want to hang around for six months or six years. And I cut it off immediately. So I had proven to myself that no matter how great looking a guy was, no matter what, you know, I didn't care if he worked with Don Miguel and he'd studied the four agreements like me and whatever else he knew a lot of the same people I knew, I didn't care. Once I understood that this was a very emotionally immature and unhealthy, damaged man, I ended it the next day. So that was also very important to see my own clarity. And uh, in the past, man, I would have stuck it out. I would have contorted myself to get this guy to love me, we would have argued and talked and oh, it would have been awful. And I was able to see it. I didn't need to go through it. And I got myself out of it. I also was tested again. Uh, I was dating a man and uh, this was somebody who I actually knew. It was sort of an interim relationship. Sweetheart of a guy, uh, definitely somebody who was a rebound relationship, but a sweetheart. And he got violently drunk one night. Like I had never seen somebody turn into a completely different person. The sweet, sweet, sweetheart of a man turned into a mean monster. It was, it was horrifying, horrifying. I mean, I saw it once with alcohol. I don't, 
ever want to see that again. It was like a rabid dog. And uh, he was so like this man who had been so sweet and kind and whatever was mean and vicious and attacking and whatever. And I literally took my things. I left. And the next day he called me and said, you know, I'm so sorry. And I said, look, you know, you have a problem. You're an alcoholic. That just doesn't happen. That's not a one-off. Like you have an issue with alcohol and you need to stay away. Like you need to get help. And he said, I'll go get help. Don't leave. Don't break it off. And I just said, look, I've been down that road before and I am not going down it again. And that was the end. I said, you need to get help and I'm not sticking around for that. And I cut that off too. So those were two relationships right before I met Benjamin where, I mean, I had this clarity that there was no man on the planet that I was going to stay with, you know, who that was wounded and damaged and was going to try to pull me into that a nightmare, which I'd done enough times to know that I was done. <laughs> so right after that, I met my husband. And back to money, look at someone's principles, look at someone's values, pay attention. Is he frivolous? You know, does he just love to go out and self-indulge? I mean, Sure, some of that's great once in a while, but there's a, it's got to be balanced with responsibility. It can't happen all the time. You can't be going every night and just blowing through tons of money. I don't care how wealthy you are. There's got to be a certain moderation, even if you do have some cheat days, you know? So... Pay attention. People show you who they are. Sometimes we just don't want to see it. But they show you. And if you're paying attention, you will see it. Trust your gut. Women, one of the most powerful tools you have in your arsenal is your intuition. If something feels off, it usually is. You will never regret trusting your intuition. So notice if you go out and a man doesn't treat you to dinner, look, I get it. Young people today are not, you know, they're splitting things. But that's something you really need to ask yourself. What is the, you know, when a man buys me dinner, to me, I don't expect him to. But when it does, it says a lot about the kind of man he is. And I want to be with a man who is willing to do those things for me. It, it allows me to feel feminine. When I'm paying for everything or paying half of everything, maybe I'll change my opinion at some point. It may be that that happens but when I was with my ex-husband, he didn't do those things for me. And that filtered into other things in our relationship. He didn't, not only didn't, you know, pay for me and pay for things for me, I actually had to pay 
for vacations and nice dinners and certain things if I wanted those things because he didn't always have the money or what happened later was because we were a couple, it felt like, oh, as a couple, we were doing that together. It wasn't him or me, but really it was always me and not him. So I really did want this time around to know what it felt like to have a very masculine man who does pay for those things or does take care of me. And he takes care of me in all kinds of ways. That was just symbolic of all the other ways he cares for me. And I, in return, care for him. All right. I have rambled enough. I didn't really talk about specifically the things I was going to talk about. But I think in some ways, this was a more valuable and unique conversation than if I just listed off a bunch of notes that I had written down. You know, uh, I think this was really more authentic because it gave you a window into Benjamin and me and a little bit about uh, what I was looking for to find a guy like him and who I had to be to find a man who's so responsible and who cares for me the way Benjamin cares. And look, the dynamic I wanted was I wanted to be treated like a woman. I wanted, because it allows me to be a woman when a man does those things for me. You know, if Benjamin wasn't treating me like a woman, I don't know that I would have grown in my femininity. I don't know if I would feel as feminine as I do and have permission to play the feminine role in our relationship to the degree that I do if Benjamin didn't take care of me the way he does. I love that flow. I love that traditional masculine feminine dynamic that he and I have. All right. This has been Finding the Guardian of Your Soul. I'm Lisa Shield. Please go to my website, lisashield.com. Click the button all over the site. It will take you to my free 45-minute webinar. You can watch that masterclass or webinar, or whatever they're calling them these days, and you can sign up at the end for a call to talk with a member of my team about how we can help you find the guardian of your soul. If you're ready to do this, please sign up for a call. There's no reason to waste another moment struggling and suffering and trying to figure this out on your own. Also, send us your suggestions for future topics to Lisa. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Podcast at lisashield.com. And also catch Getting Inside the Right Male Mind. That's an episode that my husband and I do together where I pick his brain. That's a strange uh, expression. <laughs> I can just see me in there picking his brain. Not a good visual, but anyway, that's what I do. I get him to open up as a quality man. I think it's important for women to hear uh, inside the mind of a man like Benjamin. He's truly unique. And that's all I have for you today. So thank you for joining me and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.